today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You're pleading with God. Take this from me. And God's saying, actually, you don't want me to take that out of your life. Truth be made known. Because by me keeping that thorn that is tormenting you, trying you, testing your faith every day, all day, every night, all night, keeps you up at night. It is keeping you in that place where you have to look to me. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. Nobody likes adversity. No one wants to go through trials in life because they're not fun. But today, Pastor J.D. reminds us why it's so important that we experience them. When things are all well and good, what reason do you have to walk with Christ? It's when you go through tribulations that you're drawn closer to Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Today we are going to complete chapter 11. As you know, we were in no hurry to uh, finish this chapter, but we will today. We're going to pick it up in verse 32. The writer of Hebrews, by the Holy Spirit, writes, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who, verse 33, through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women, verse 35, received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning, verse 37. They were sawed in two. By the way, that's speaking of Isaiah, who was sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These, verse 39, were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us, 
would they be made perfect? I want to talk with you today about how it is that we can hold on to our faith despite the weakness of our faith, or worse yet, the persecution for our faith. Now, we kind of need to fill in a blank here and get back to the context of the text and why it is that the writer of Hebrews is writing this letter to these Hebrew Christians. He's writing this because he wants to encourage them. Encourage them to hold on to their faith, keep the faith as we would say, and not give up, not give in, and certainly not go back to Judaism, as was the case with many at this time. So he's seeking really to remind them of those who went before them. And we're going to see that in, when we get into chapter 12, and we'll see that at the end of chapter 11 here. But he now completes this hall of faith, as we affectionately refer to it. And he basically says what many a pastor will say, I don't have time (laughs) to tell you about all the others. And he just kind of rapid fires and lists off guys like Gideon and Barak and Samson and David and Samuel all of whom you would have thought would have been like on the top of the list, the beginning of the chapter, but they weren't. Sort of a side note at the end, and in the interest of time, he just sort of grocery lists these names. But in so doing, we're provided with the reason that we, like those in this hall of faith, can keep the faith no matter how hard it gets. And I think you would agree, it's it's getting hard. It's getting harder, seemingly, with each passing day. This is what I love about the Word of God and the God of the Word. It's alive. Always speaks to where you're at. doesn't matter where you're at. You can turn anywhere in God's Word and it comes alive and it speaks. It's active and activates and it's sharp sharper than any two-edged sword, able to surgically cut and remove and divide between soul and spirit as with bone and marrow. That's what God's Word does, and the Word of God never returns void. And here we are now at a place in God's Word that I think is so apropos for the place we are in today. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we would all admit that we're weak in faith, and we're even now beginning to experience persecution for our faith. Well, let's talk about being weak in faith first. This is in verses 32 through 34. This is interesting because he lists Gideon. You know about Gideon, right? Barak, maybe not so well known. Samson. Samson? Wait a minute. What? Yeah. Jephthah. Not so well known. David. Wow, we all know about David. 
boy, did he mess up. Remember, for those of you that were with us during our study through First and Second Samuel, it was in the Kings and the Chronicles as well. That was, to me, textbook TMI concerning David, my hero. I didn't want to know that about him. But yet it's recorded in Scripture for us. How he lusted after and committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then when she gets pregnant, he tries to cover it up. Almost gets away with it, thinks he got away with it. And then if you can imagine, this is David we're talking about. A man after God's own heart. The sweet psalmist of Israel. And he plots a murder. David. Wow. I'm not impressed. Well, rightfully so. Because the common denominator with all of them and the many like them was that for the most part they were all weak in faith. And aren't you glad? Because if Gideon made it in there, I mean Gideon alone, you know his account, how it went down with him, right? This is a man of faith. He was so weak in his faith when God appears to him to call him to say to him, I'm going to use you to deliver the Israelites out of the hand of the Midianites. You know what this great man of faith Gideon responds with? You got the wrong guy. No, for real. And he even goes on to explain why. He says, three strikes, I'm out. Strike number one, I'm the black sheep of my family. Strike number two, my family's the black sheep of our tribe. And strike number three, our tribe is the black sheep of all the tribes of Israel. You got the wrong guy. (laughs) To which God says, perfect. That way they will know it's not you. That way only I get the credit. Even if you wanted to, they're going to look at you and go, (laughs) there's no Gideon. No, that had to be God. That's the point. And then, I mean, this great man of faith, right? Even after all of that, as he tries to get out of it, he says, okay, God, you know, and he puts out the fleece and we use this. Don't use that, because that is a a sign of no faith. He's trying to get out of it. So he's like, okay, Lord, if this is really, 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 really you, I need confirmation. So let's have the dew be on the ground, but not the fleece. God's like, okay, whatever. So he does it next morning. Okay, I just want to be really, 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 really sure. Still trying to get out of it. This time, have the dew be on the fleece and not on the ground. God's like, okay, fine. So exactly what happens. Well, he's stuck. Now he's got to get together this army. So he pulls together 32,000 men. And God says to him, Gideon, um, come here, we need to talk. You've got too many men. What? You mean the Medeanites have too many men because the 
text says that they were so numerous, it was hard to even count them. You couldn't count them. Some Bible commentators suggest that they were at the very minimum about 135,000 of them. That's a lot. And he's got 32,000, and God's telling him he has too many men? So he says, here's what I want you to do. And, oh, by the way, I missed a very important detail. When God comes to Gideon and appears to him and calls him, you know where he's at? He's hiding. Yeah, in fear from the Midianites that God's going to use him to deliver the Israelites from. He's stressing the wheat in the wine press, hiding out because the Midianites were stealing all the wheat at the end of the year. So he's hiding from them. And then God appears to him, oh, mighty man of... He's like, where? (laughs) Me? Yeah, you. So now he gets this army together and he says, you got too many men, I want you to tell them, if any of you are afraid, go home. Oh, I would have loved to have been a fly on a camel. There was camels there, I guess. But to see how he said that. Because if it's me, I'm like this. Um, if any of you are afraid, you can go home. 22,000. Leave. Now he's down to 10,000. And then God says, Gideon, we need to talk again. <laughs> no, not again. <laughs> you still have too many men. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take these guys down to the springs, and they need to drink water. And I want you to just observe the ones that stick their face in the water. I want you to put them over here. And the ones that cup the water in their hands and bring it to their mouth, I want you to put them over here. I think by this time Gideon kind of he sees a pattern here. He knows where this is going. Now you've probably heard this taught that the ones only 300 in number were the ones that were keeping their eyes on the battlefield and cupping the water, bringing it to their mouth to drink. These were the mighty warriors. These were the best of the best, the Green Berets, the Top Guns. Those are the guys I'm going to use. But that doesn't seem to fit doesn't seem to fit the narrative, because it could be argued that 300 top guns, green berets, whatever you want to refer to them as, could have still taken the credit for the victory. I like how one suggested it. The reason why 9,700 men stuck their face in the water there at the springs to drink was because they could. Stay with me. The 300 who cupped it, they couldn't. Watch this. You know, as I get older, I just think, if I go down there to pick up that, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get back up. And if I do, yeah, it's not going to be an easy task. These were the lame, the blind, the crippled, the least, the last. That fits more. Because see, if that's the 300, and then God does this miracle and delivers countless Medeanites into the hands of the Israelites, there's no way even they could take the credit for it. 
Could you imagine them walking back? I mean, no disrespect, but, you know, they're walking back. These are older, elderly, gray-haired, if they have hair, guys. And they're coming back, and you you should have seen us, man. (laughs) Yeah, nice try, uncle. (laughs) It It wasn't you. Why do I go into all of that? Because these men were not great in their faith. They were weak in their faith. And that gives me hope. Did you notice what the writer says in verse 34? It was their weakness, weakness, that was turned into strength. And that's how they became powerful. This is the Apostle Paul, and I'm going to borrow heavily from 2 Corinthians today. But you know when he's pleading with God concerning this thorn in the flesh, begging God, pleading with God to remove it. Three times he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 8, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And here's why, Paul. For my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, you're going to keep me in that place of weakness that I might know your power. You're going to keep me in that place of meekness. Keep me humble and totally and completely reliant and dependent upon you. Yes, so I get the glory. Therefore, he says, I will boast. I'm going to brag about this. I'm going to post this all over social media, man. This is me, weak. I'm going to boast in it. All the more gladly about my weaknesses. And here's why. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, and I want you to listen very carefully, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. I'm having a hard time just reading that list. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, for Christ's sake, I endure the weaknesses, the insults, the hardships. No, no, I I delight in them. I brag about them. I post them. I embrace them. Because I know that it's Christ's power. He would say to the Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not done in my own strength. I think Gideon learned that. Would you agree? See, Gideon probably, like many of us, was under the impression that God was calling him to do this in his own strength. (laughs) That's why he got the wrong guy. I think when Gideon realized, and the many like him throughout Scripture, when they realized, wait a minute, I see what God's up to. He's picking a guy like me, the foolish things of this world, to confound the wise. 
And he's doing it so that he alone gets the glory. I can't take the credit for it. Even if I try, it would be laughable. God's going to do this in such a way that only he receives all the glory for doing it. There's no other explanation for it. Because he chose a guy that by any stretch of the imagination is weak in faith. This is not a mighty man of faith. This is a fearful man hiding out. This is an adulterer, a murderer. I mean, you can go down that list. Every single one of them were weak in faith. They had that weakness about them. And God said, it's not you, it's me. And so I've got to show you you so I can do what I want to do in and through you. But if you're strong, I can't use you. Some of us can be too strong for the Lord to use. Dare I use the phrase strong-willed? I know you know nothing of this. I'll only speak for myself. What is someone that is strong-willed? Well, if someone is strong-willed, then that means that it's not God's will. It's my will, my strong will. I'm doing it in my own strength. So Paul gets it now. Oh, I see, Lord. You know, you might have something in your life. And by the way, I am of the belief, and I get taken to task on this. That's all right. I get it. But I'm the of the belief that that thorn that everybody tries to figure out what it was, was by design kept generic so that we could fill in the blank with whatever that thorn is in our life. Because see, if we knew specifically what that thorn was, and it's not something that we struggle with, we're just going to dismiss it like, oh, well, I don't struggle with that. We're going to miss the whole point. So it's kind of like God just left that blank line. What's the thorn in your life? What's that thing you've been praying, God, please, you're pleading with God. Take this from me. And God's saying, actually, you don't want me to take that out of your life. Truth be made known. Because by me keeping that thorn that is tormenting you, trying you, testing your faith every day, all day, every night, all night, keeps you up at night. It is keeping you in that place where you have to look to me. You have to depend upon me. You cannot rely on your own strength because you're weak. And in your weakness, you have to come to me for my strength. That's why. That's why. Let's talk about being tortured for our faith. Oh, this is comfortable. Well, it's here in the Word, verses 35 through 38. I mean, I'll confess, I'm very open. I like to believe I'm transparent with you and tell you, I don't, I don't want to read this, let alone teach this, but it's in the Word of God. I mean, he goes on and starts talking about all of these saints of God that were tortured for their faith in horrific ways. I mean, unthinkable. And if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, you think to yourself, man, I wonder what I would do 
in that situation. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from the book of Hebrews with Pastor J.D., don't discount the things you're hearing. God may be speaking to you individually today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own, too, to further understand what you've heard on today's broadcast. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly. This only helps you to grow in your relationship with God and others. If you don't have a church home, come be a part of ours. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to understanding the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Hebrews together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There are links to our Twitter and Instagram pages on our website calvarychapelkaneohe.com That's all we have time for today but thanks for listening to this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Oh,